Well, good morning again. As I was preparing for this morning's message, I came across some, um, some requests that kids um, made for Christmas gifts. And I want to share with you a few of those. Um, the first one being this. My oldest asked for a real baby sister and a toy stepmother. She already has a baby sister, and the stepmother thing just isn't going to happen. When my son was four, he asked for a box of Mr. Clean Magic Erasers. He got them, and I had the cleanest walls around. So, hey, that may be a good Christmas gift for you to think about for your kids. My four-year-old really, 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 really wants another invisible puppy for Christmas. My three-year-old wants glow-in-the-dark pull-ups. I didn't know those were a such thing. I was four, and my brother was four months. I asked if Santa could get him adopted somewhere. My five-year-old asked for a pair of pliers so he could pull his own teeth so that the tooth fairy would bring him money, and he could buy whatever gift he wanted. And then the last one is, my 15-year-old nephew asked for a pound of bacon. Can it get any better than that right there? I mean, that would be like the ultimate under-the-tree present right there, a pound of bacon. I'm not asking for that, but this morning we're continuing our Advent sermon series and looking at the gifts of Christmas. So far we have looked at hope. We looked last week at love, and now this morning we are going to be looking at joy together. And as we dive in to joy this morning, here's the one thing that I want us to recognize. It's this. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is based on your situation, okay? Joy comes from a deeper place. Joy comes from God, doesn't it? It's a fruit of the Spirit. You know, there are times in life that we just are not happy people, right? Because of life's situations, because of of heartache that we experience. But even in the midst of that heartache, because of the gifts of God, we can still be found to be joyful people because of God's goodness and because of His grace and because of His love and because of His mercy. So as we walk through this message together this morning, understand that We may not be happy people all the time, but we certainly can be joy-filled people because when we became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we became people of joy because it is a gift of the Spirit. All right, so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 20 together. Luke chapter 2, beginning... In verse 8, we read these words. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these sayings, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as if as it had been told to them. You know, there probably is not a more popular passage of Scripture than this at Christmas, right? Everyone knows this passage of Scripture, especially as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, especially if they've ever watched a Charlie Brown Christmas. Because in that movie, in that cartoon, this passage of Scripture is read. So people may not have ever read their Bibles before, but they've heard this passage of Scripture if they have watched a Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, it's a popular passage of Scripture. And, and it's one of my favorites to read during this time of, of the season. Here's what we learn from this passage. It's this. God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty ordinary person. You know, there's nothing special about me. You know that because you've been around with me long enough to realize that. But you know what? God can take this ordinary person like he can take all of us ordinary people in this room and he can do extraordinary things through us, right? That is exactly what happens with these shepherds. God is going to do extraordinary things through them and we're going to see that this morning. So notice our first point this morning. It is this. The shepherds were attentive to their work. In verse 8, again, we read, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I've shared this with you before um, as we've talked through sh- about shepherds, but some of you may not have heard this before. and Some of you have forgotten about it, but I do want us to be reminded of who the shepherds are, especially the first century shepherds. Going back to the beginning of human history, being a shepherd was a noble task. Adam's son, Abel, is the first shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Rachel was a shepherdess. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. We love shepherds, don't we? They, they tend to be front and center this time of the year. Our nativity scenes are, 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 are decked out in one of those pieces in that in that nativity scene is always a shepherd isn't it and we sing songs about shepherds the first noel angels we have heard on high do you hear what i hear go telling on the mountain all these songs have shepherd in their um make reference to shepherds and there's the shepherd's song we love the shepherds of christmas here is the deal though these shepherds in our focal passage this morning they were not very loved people They were a class of people second only to the leopards, one writer said. The Talmud states no help is to be given to the heathen shepherds. In Genesis 46, verse 34, the the passage indicates that the Egyptians even hated the shepherds. They were dishonest. They were unclean according to the standards of the law. They represented the outcasts. They were peasants, and they were located toward the bottom of the social class. I mean, They weren't very loved, were they? But I want you to think about these social outcasts for just a moment. Um, History tells us that it is very likely that these shepherds who, who worked out in the fields just outside of Bethlehem 
kept the very lambs that would be sacrificed in the temple on behalf of the sins of the people. And, and it just is so fitting that the angel would appear to these shepherds who then would go and be introduced to the ultimate lamb, Jesus Christ, that, that Christmas morning, right? I mean, think about that. How awesome is that? Here they are, they're, they're keepers of the lambs that were offered as sacrifices for the sins of the people. And they're about to get to go and see the ultimate final sacrificial lamb that is going to be laying in a manger. Those are these shepherds, these, these social outcasts, these people that weren't loved by anybody, get to see with their very eyes the ultimate lamb of God. These shepherds represented the sinners for whom Jesus came to say, you save, you talk about a reason to be joyful. That is a reason to be joyful this Christmas. Scripture tells us that they were keeping watch over the flock by night. Translated, they were looking out for predators. And, and with, there was always the potential for wolves to get into um, a sheep pen or lions or foxes or maybe even another shepherd could get in and try to steal these sheep and these lambs. Now, I've had the opportunity to, to go to Israel, and, and there's a place there called the Nazareth Village. Um, and and in, in Nazareth, it, it sits below a hospital that I've had the opportunity to work at on, on mission trips. But they have created a first century village there is what they've done. And it's so cool to get to walk through this. There's a working olive press there. There's a, there's a wine press that's there. You see a, a, a woman that's working with wool. You see a blacksmith as he's working on his trade. You get to go into the synagogue. You can open up God's Word and read and study it there. But also out in that field, there is a shepherd who's watching over this sheep. And as we're, our guide was explaining to us the job of that shepherd, one of the things that he said is, is this, this, this village sits in a valley and there's a big retaining wall. And, and there at that retaining wall, there's a bunch of, of, of weep holes. And he says inside those holes, oftentimes there'll be um, a, a fox or, or some other varmint that will try to get in. And when those get in, if there's a shepherd that's not, if the shepherd's not present, then very easily those sheep could, could get killed by one of those varmints. And so it kind of gave you a visual of, of the job that those shepherds had and the importance of that job. The shepherd's job may be a thankless job. But it is an important job. Without him, the sheep would become some predator's dinner, right? How many of you have ever had a thankless job? Raise your hand if you've ever had a thankless job. Now, those aren't very fun, are they? You know, usually when you have a thankless job, you're kind of the grunt, aren't you? And you get to do everything that nobody else wants to do. Well, these shepherds had that kind of a job. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That's what we do. We work for the Lord. We don't work for men, right? Allergies are, are, are getting me. Notice our second point this morning. is this. The shepherds were awed 
by their encounter. In verse 9 we read, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, these men had a divine encounter, didn't they? God blessed them with the privilege of seeing his glory displayed through his angel. In Scripture, we see that angels magnify God. They are messengers of God, and they are ministers of God. In Luke 1, Gabriel told Zechariah, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. As a result of being in the presence of God, we can be certain that, that, that Gabriel and the other angels reflected the glory of God. So as, these, as this angel appears before these shepherds, notice their reaction. They were struck with fear, weren't they? Man, fear just, just, just covered them up. And, and that's kind of the same emotions that we see from others in Scripture when they have a divine encounter, reaching all the way back to the beginning of time, to Adam and Eve after they committed that first sin in the garden. We, 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 we see that their reaction was when God showed up, they hid from God, right? Why? Because they were ashamed of their sin and they were fearful. Adam, um, and when God appeared to Moses from the burning bush, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look upon God. When God appeared to Isaiah in the temple, Isaiah said, Woe is me. When God performed a miracle before the disciples, Peter said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When God appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, Paul fell to the ground. Why? Because he was a fearful person. The very God who appeared to each of the above is the very God who dwells within each and every believer in this morning. Isn't that good news this morning? That we have the glory of God residing within us this morning. Do not let this Christmas, and I'm speaking to myself here too, be like every other Christmas. Let us each seek to have a divine encounter with God. When we have a divine encounter with the Lord, there is a good chance that others will have a divine encounter as well, right? Because when we get into the presence of the Lord and we allow the presence of the Lord to, to shine through us, guess what? Other people also experience the presence of the Lord because the presence of the Lord is in us. Let us pray for this to happen this morning. Let us study the Word of God knowing that it is God-breathed, that it is living and active, that it is a lamp unto our feet, and that every word within it proves true. Next, the shepherds were accepting of their mission. Of the, they were accept, accepting of their missions, and, and we've already read verses 10 through 15, but the angel said to the, to the shepherds, fear not, for I bring you good news. From this word good news, we get the word evangel, evangelism, and I love this picture here. Um, if you recall, evangelism is one of our core values here at Friendship Baptist Church. Our, our, our desire is to be men and women and students and children that go out and share the good news with those that we come in contact with. We want to go across the street and we want to go around the world and share the good news of salvation with others. When, when this angel appeared to the shepherds, 
this, 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 this angel was an evangelist, right? And these shepherds would become evangelists. He was dispatched from heaven to appear to the most unlikely of people to share with them the most unlikely of stories. The message given to the shepherds would bring them great joy. Let me ask you a question this morning. Does the message of Jesus bring you great joy this morning? Does the name of Jesus bring you great joy this morning? You know, one of my favorite songs is a, is a song that's entitled, There's Something About That Name, making reference to Jesus. The lyrics of that song go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. There's something about the name of Jesus, right? The name of Jesus should bring us joy. The name of Jesus should put a smile on our face. How many of you like it when you hear the, one of your children's names or grandchildren's names announced? You like that, don't you? You like whenever those that you love get recognized. I love it whenever um, we're at a football game or a volleyball game or we're at an awards assembly and I hear the name of Connor Womack or Caitlin Womack or if I hear my wife being recognized or something, Danny Womack. brings joy to my heart. It puts a smile on my face because I love my family. And when I hear their names, it just, it just allows me to bubble up inside. You know what I'm saying? If my kids and my wife's name puts a smile on my face, how much more should the name of Jesus put a smile on my face? That should be the same for all of us. Man, when we hear the name of Jesus, man, we should put a smile on our face because of what Jesus has done for us. Because he's implanted joy in our hearts. In Luke 2.10, again, we read these words. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The message of Jesus is not for some people. It's not for most people. It's not for people that look like us, act like us, or talk like us. The message of Jesus is for all people. And that was proven the day that these shepherds had this divine encounter with the angel of the Lord. It is a message for rich and for poor, even a message for lowly shepherds. We read in verse 11, the very first part says, for unto you, unto you shepherds, unto you outcasts, unto you poor, homeless, unto you sinner, unto you all of us in this room, every person outside of this place this morning, for unto you is born this day in the city of David as Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The message of Christ and the mission of Christ was and is for all of us in this room. And the angel's announcement and pronouncement of that is good news. It's not just good news, it's the best news, isn't it? They are told by the angel of the birth of Jesus. And they are told that, that, that Jesus will be Savior, Christ, and Lord. 
each of those names representing something different. First of all, we know what a Savior is, right? We know how Jesus is Savior. He would deliver those shepherds from their sins, just like he's delivered us of our sins. He will be Christ. This is his title. Most people like to uh, equate Christ with Jesus' middle name. That is not the case at all. Christ is to be understood as the anointed one of God. He is Jesus, the anointed one. He is Jesus, the Messiah. He is also Lord. And as Lord, this signifies that he, that he has been exalted above all within human history. So he is Savior who has saved us of our sins. He is Christ. He is the Messiah. And he is Lord who is Savior and has been exalted to the right hand of the throne of God. Then the angels, then the shepherds have this, the privilege of not only seeing the original angel, but they also see a, see a multitude of angels. Notice what it says in Luke 2, 13 through 14. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is these angels that dwell in the presence of the Lord burst into human history and they give praise to the Lord before these shepherds. You know what? The more time we spend with Jesus, the more time we will spend reflecting his glory. Isn't that right? The more time we spend praying, the more time we spend in his word, the more time we spend being obedient to the great commission, the more time we're going to be able to be reflectors of his glory. In verse 15, we read, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. These shepherds received the message of the Lord, and they went immediately to find Jesus. Let me ask you two questions this morning. Number one, okay, the first question is for, for, for some in this room. Have you received the good news of Jesus? Have you received the good news of Jesus? Have you recognized that Jesus is Savior, that He is Lord, that He is the Messiah, that He came to forgive you of your sins and provided a way for you to be reconciled to God? If you have not received the good news of Jesus, I pray this morning that you will make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Also, let me ask you this. Have you told anyone about the good news of Jesus. Because every one of us in this room are messengers of Jesus. Every one of us in this room are evangelists, just like those shepherds became evangelists. We are evangelists as well that have been commissioned by God to share the good news of salvation with others. Notice the fourth point is this. The shepherds acted on their convictions. In verse 16 we read, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. They did not lollygag around, did they? They went with haste, men. They rushed and immediately went to where Jesus was so that they could worship him. They heard the message. They received the message, and they acted upon the message by going. That is what must happen to everyone in this room. We must hear the message of salvation. We must receive the message of salvation. And then once we have done that, we must act upon the message of salvation by going and telling other people. It's not a great suggestion 
It was the great commission that Jesus left us with. In James 2.17, we read, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have not been saved by our works, but as believers, we should do good works because we have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by grace. Okay, It has nothing to do with anything that we did. It's all about Jesus reaching down in human history and providing a way for us to be reconciled by reconciled to God because Jesus went to the cross and he died on that cross for our sins. He was the perfect lamb. He shed his blood while he was on that cross. He was laid in a grave. Three days later, he conquered death. He rose to life again. And you and I can be saved by Jesus. It is all Jesus. Okay. Now, once we have been saved by Jesus and experienced his grace. Notice what we are to do. We are to do good works. Part of doing good works is telling others about Jesus. Part of doing good works is allowing ourselves to become the hands and feet of Jesus. Part of doing good works is us going outside of the doors of this church and proclaiming the good news of salvation with others. We were created for good works. We were not saved by works, but we were created to work. Notice the final point this morning is this. The shepherds were animated by their experience. In verses 17 through 19 we read, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these sayings, pondering them in her heart. These men, who were the bottom of the social scale, become the first preachers of the newborn king. That is what amazes me the most about these shepherds. These social nobodies become the very first evangelists. They would make known that which they had seen and witnessed. You and I represent these shepherds, don't we? We represent them. The Lord appeared to us one day while we were also out working in the field, the field of life. For some of you, he appeared to you at vacation Bible school when you were a child. Some of you, the Lord appeared to you while you were at a camp. Maybe the Lord appeared to you um, in your home or at the home of a neighbor. Maybe the Lord appeared to you as a young adult, a middle-aged adult, or an older adult. doesn't matter when or where, but he did appear one day while you were out in the fields of life, right? And when he appeared to you, and you had that divine encounter with him, you repented of your sins, and you cried out to him to be your Lord and Savior, and then you began to live your life for him. And that's exactly what these shepherds did. In verse 20, we read, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. When these men had a divine encounter, their lives were never the same. They had a Notice this. They had a personal encounter that it turned into a public announcement. They had a personal encounter that turned into a public announcement. Who are some of the people that, 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 that proclaim the name of Jesus most? 
an early believer, isn't it? An early believer that has been saved from much. Man, they proclaim Jesus. They tell their family about Jesus. They tell other believers about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus got a hold of them. But what happens sometimes within um, a seasoned believers, us that have been believers for an extended period of time, Sometimes we get so caught up in the things of this world that we fail to proclaim Jesus. Let's go back to the moment of our salvations and be reminded of what Jesus saved us from. And let us go forth proclaiming what we have been saved from and saved to and proclaiming who saved us. Because the person that saved us is the same person that can save us others right we all know people that don't know jesus this christmas let's introduce them to the greatest gift that they could ever receive and that is jesus christ in first peter 8 through 9 we read these words though you have not seen him you love him though you do not now see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We have been saved by Jesus. We have been given a reason to rejoice. Let us rejoice in the Lord. Here's a few suggestions that, that um, I want to share with us. Some suggestions of how we can experience a joy-filled life. First one is this. Keep your eyes on Jesus real easy to keep our eyes on the things of this world. Sometimes it's a little bit more challenging to keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let us allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God. Let, let, let's go to God's Word because it's, it's in His Word that we experience the presence of the Lord and where we can find joy as we study as we pray, and as we worship, and as we share. Gratitude cultivates joy. You know, I, I, I sometimes am not the most happy person around. Sometimes I steal the joy from my family. And I know that some of you probably steal the joy from your family as well. Gratitude cultivates joy. As you are joyful, it has a tendency to spread, doesn't it? So let's be joyful, people. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. It's not something that we do sometimes or most of the time or occasionally, but it's something that we do or to do all the time. Don't let others steal your joy. Don't follow those that, that don't follow God because you, there's no quicker way to have your joy stolen than by following someone that doesn't follow the Lord. And, and, and don't be like me. Don't be a killjoy, but be a spreader of joy, right? That's what we've been called to do is spread the joy. Philippians 4.4 4 again says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. You know, there's no greater story in all of human history than the story of Jesus and what he came and did for us.
We know that because we've got that story in us if we're believers in Jesus Christ. But you know what? There's a lot of people outside the doors of this church that don't know that story. Let's this Christmas go and share that story with others. You may be here this morning. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you were to die today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. The Bible makes it very, very clear that we're going to spend eternity if we know Jesus in heaven. If we don't know Jesus, we're going to spend it in hell. So if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you this morning. I'm going to be standing here at the front. I want to invite you to come this morning and to give your life over to Jesus. Repent of your sins and cry out to him to be Lord and Savior of your life. You may be here this morning and, and, and you find yourself like me sometimes being a killjoy. Man, pray to the Lord as I need to do more and more and ask the Lord to fill me with his joy and to place a smile on my face. Let's stand together. Now I'm going to pray, and if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Father God, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for demonstrating your love for us by dying on the cross for our sins. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, that all of us in this room, Father, we, we can put a smile on our face because we've been saved by you. Father, but we know, all of us know people that do not have a relationship with you. And I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that you will place them upon our hearts and upon our minds, Father, because we want to go and share the good news with them. Father, help us to do that. Give us the strength to do that. Father, when, when fear engulfs us, Lord, give us the boldness that we need. Father, I pray again this morning, if there's someone here that does not have a relationship with you, that you'll draw them this morning unto salvation. Father, if there's some in this room this morning that have been visiting this church for a while and you're leading them to make friendship, their church home, we pray that they will do that. Father, I don't know what decision needs to be made, but I know that you do. Lord, be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray.